This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su An. Is pain during sex common, especially for women? In a society where sexual health is still a very taboo topic, questions like this aren't always asked and answered, even though they could be a sign of something more serious. So consultant obstetrician and gynecologist Dr. Hu Mei Lin is joining me on the show today to shed some light on whether pain during sex is normal for women and hopefully we want to break some taboos on these sorts of conversations along the way. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Hu. Thank you for having me and thank you for allowing me to speak on this very important topic. I think it's time we blow the cover on this one. (laughs) Yes, high time, you know, and the more we have these conversations, hopefully, um, and and the more people listen to us having these sorts of conversations on air, it makes it more normal for them to have these conversations in everyday, everyday life. Correct. Now, I want to start by asking you, right, then how common is pain during intercourse for women? Okay, so I think this is terribly underreported. Mm-hmm. And even if you look for statistics, um, it's very difficult to come by. And then even if there are statistics, you have to question as to how valid they are. Mm. So in North America, I think they, they, they see around one, they estimate one to 17% of women suffer from pain during sex. And again, it depends on who you're asking. If you're a doctor who's more open to these sort of conversations, you tend to see more women like that. And if you're a doctor that just closes down and don't really talk about it, then no one comes to you to talk about it. So it's like a chicken and the egg story, mm. you know, you don't know which comes first. But I'm I'm seriously think that it's more common than we think. Mm. Where would this pain be felt, right? For women, I guess, anatomy-wise, which part of the um, reproductive system are we talking about? Okay, so uh, I think that... Um, uh, it, it can vary, all right? So pain during sex, of course, can vary. Uh, is it at the beginning, at the initiation of sex? Is it on penetration? Does it happen uh, with even during foreplay? Does it happen only when you're about to use the penis to penetrate? So all this actually helps us to differentiate where and when that, that problem might have existed from. So you can a woman can feel the pain right at the entrance, Mm -hmm. okay? Or she can feel the pain when the penis is deep inside. She might even feel the pain in her tummy. She can feel the pain before, she can feel the pain during, and she can feel the pain after. So basically, it has to be like a little bit of an investigative process, lots of questions, lots of blushes mostly. Okay, I have no blushing, I have no shames when I'm asking these (laughs) questions to my patients. So, you know, we just have to get used to talking about it, I think. Mm. Now, there are different degrees and types of pain, right? How would you describe or how have patients described um, pain during sex? Actually, um, most of them won't come presenting with, hey doc, I have pain during sex, Mm -hmm. right? So we're we're not evolved to that. It usually comes as more, more like a hidden agenda. So they'll come for some other issues and then as... The consultation goes on, it then comes out. I have pain during sex. And and realistically, sometimes it is because of an organic cause that we can treat. So some things like uh, endometriosis, which is a condition where the lining of the womb, uh, the cells are outside and it causes pain during menstruation. It can also cause pain during sex. It can be fleeting, like just after you've had a baby, you're still breastfeeding, the body basically is in shutdown, not really wanting you to procreate again. So the vagina is kind of dry, so that then it might be painful then. So it, it, there can be organic causes of 
pain during sex. But there can be also pain that is not attributed to anything organic and that might actually be a psychological cause connected to that sort of pain. Mm. You mentioned that uh, that a lot of women don't present uh, to you, you know, saying they don't come to see you because they have pain during sex, right? Why do you think that is? Is it because of the taboo that we have about talking about sex? Yeah. I think it's also, uh, yes, of course, it's partly due to that. But I also think that it may be because that sometimes we are not, as girls, we are not taught that sex should be pleasurable, for example. Mm-hmm. We, we are not taught that, you know, we can enjoy sex. And, and some and maybe in some of our brains, we are thinking that, okay, la, sex painful, la, what's the big deal? It's normal, what? Mm. Right? So we don't understand or we don't know enough that to say that, hey, painful sex is not normal. So, therefore, you don't go and see a doctor because of it, right? Mm. And they just learn to live with it, right? Yeah. You tough it out. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. So, let's talk about some of the causes of um, pain during sex, right? You've mentioned some that are more organic causes, um, things like endometriosis or um, people who experience that sort of pain after birth. But what about, um, what are some other common causes of pain during sex? Okay, common causes of pain during sex actually... um, uh, endometriosis is one because mm-hmm. you can have abnormal growths or if you have growths in your uterus like fibroids or cysts or if you've had sexually transmitted diseases, sometimes if you have abnormal amounts of vaginal discharge causing some thinning of the skin around the vagina. So those are the things that can cause pain during sex. Uh, other than that, sometimes physiological changes. Like I've mentioned childbirth. Menopause is another one where the vagina gets drier because of the lack of female hormones and therefore lubrication is less Mm. and therefore there is pain. So when there's lack of lubrication, there may be pain as well. Mm. Um, Sometimes when you're on the contraceptive pill, that can also cause lack of lubrication, dryness and hence pain during sex. Mm. Now, quite a few things for us to unpack here, right? Let's talk about uh, sexually transmitted infections here. You know, do all infections automatically cause pain or, you know, are there very specific um, STIs that usually lead to the symptom? Unfortunately for women, most STIs are painless, okay? And then therein mm. lies the danger, right? You don't know that you have a SCI. So you can either perpetuate the disease and the, or the infection, or it can cause damage to your internal reproductive organs. And then therefore, you present sometime in the future with infertility per se. So that's that's one. So the actually, I, I personally think that the most common thing that would probably cause pain it might be the humble yeast infection, candida or thrush, because it can then lead to an inflammation of the skin surrounding it and therefore lead to pain. The other one, of course, if you have painful blisters like herpes, which is recurrent, or if you have warts, which is usually just fleshy protrusions, but that can lead to pain during sex. Hmm. Now, you also brought up the impact of hormonal changes, particularly menopause. Is that something that I guess patients find difficult to open up about? Because menopause is another very taboo topic. Correct. So menopause is the change of life. It should be normal. You should be. You should embrace it. But you shouldn't stop being a woman because of menopause. In fact, nowadays, since the advent of modern medicine and women are living well into their eighties and the nineties, and we attain menopause at around forty-eight, fifty-two. That means that we spend a lot of time being in the menopause stage. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that uh, it is something that we need to be aware of. Also, if you don't use it, 
you're going to lose it. So the less you are having sex around this time of your life, the less the lubrication is going to be. So I think, again, it is awareness. There are many products there out there now and HRT is no longer the evil, terrible thing that it used to be. Nowadays, there's a new guideline out now and with new recommendations that HRT can be started safely in the majority of women. The younger you start it, the better it is. And once you start it, you actually do not need to stop it, but you do need to be monitored by a health professional. So HRT is is is, is good and it can help with the dryness that happens. And sometimes this dryness, which is attributed to what we call atrophic vaginitis, which is not an infection, despite how the name sounds, um, it's actually lack of hormones causing dryness. And in fact, sometimes... Patients come to me not because of painful sex, but because they have this burning sensation down under. They can't even put on their underwear safely because it's like just like burning. So, mm. so there are good medications that we can um, help to improve quality of life. So it, pelvic health is not just about painful sex, but yes, it, it translates to that as well. Mm, that's one part of the conversation um, when it comes to pelvic health. But, you know, it's not the full story, but it's an equally important that's part right. of it. That's right. Mm. That's right. Part of all this is also psychological, right? Like you mentioned, and you know, what we don't, what we again, I guess, don't talk about as much is the issue of lack of sexual arousal. And um, from what I understand, you know, as we've heard, a woman's, um, one of a woman's biggest sexual organ is her brain. She has to be emotionally and mentally in a good place. But is that something that you've spoken to, to your patients about as well? Oh, yeah, a lot. It's almost like you're a fly on the wall in my clinic, really, Suan. <laughs> so sometimes um, I always tell the couple, right, you know, if you have a fight, okay, mm-hmm. tonight, your husband can still have sex with you because for men, it's a lot more physical, right? Mm-hmm. But for a woman, no way, you know, unless you've made up with her, ding, ding. <laughs> That's, it's not on tonight, darling, you know. So so it is a mental game. And yes, um, arousal is part of that. So I think you do have to work on your relationship a little bit to enjoy a healthy sex life. Mm. All right, we'll go for a quick break. But when we come back, you know, there's one more cause that I want to talk about, which you also specifically wanted to highlight, Dr. Who, which is um, vaginismus. On the show with me today is consultant obstetrician and gynecologist, Dr. Hu Mei Lin. And we are talking about whether pain during sex is normal, especially for women. Um, Spoiler alert, it is not normal. So we are going to continue this discussion after a quick break on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su An. On the show with me today is consultant obstetrician and gynecologist, Dr. Hu Mei Lin. And we are talking about how pain during sex for women is not normal. Um, before the break, Dr. Hu was sharing about how a lot of ca- a lot of such cases are probably underreported because it is still a very taboo subject, um, that of sex. And thus, and from there, you know, pain during sex for women. Um, we were talking about, I guess, the, the common causes of um, pain during sex, things like yeast infections or potentially STIs, how menopause also contributes to it because of changes in hormonal levels um, leading to dryness in the vagina. There's also other causes like endometriosis, fibroids, cysts. Um, It's a very long list, unfortunately. Um, But the whole point of having this conversation is to highlight that it's not normal and that women should see a healthcare professional if they feel pain during sex. Now, as I mentioned before the break, Dr. Hu, you wanted to talk about vaginismus. Now, what exactly is it? Okay, so vaginismus is a disorder where there's an involuntary spasm of the vagina during 
uh, uh, when a couple goes to have sex. The spasm, I have to stress, is involuntary and it prevents penetration and therefore sex does not happen. Okay, It is very common, uh, more common than we care to realise mm -hmm. and it can be primary or it can be secondary. Primary meaning that you've never had sex before and the first time you go and have sex, you have these spasms, you can't, end of story. Secondary meaning that previously a woman ha has been able to have penetrative sex before and now she cannot because of something, something has happened, right? So, so that's, that's vaginismus in a nutshell. So it is something that has no organic cause, it is an involuntary spasm of the vaginal muscles and it prevents people from having penetrative sex. Mm. So we, do we know what causes it then? Um, we there is no definitive cause. There are it, it is uh, psychologically uh, related. Sometimes it's because of trauma. Mm -hmm. So maybe some psychological trauma has happened. It is reported in rape cases, in cases where children has been molested or or they've been violated. So that those, those are but not necessarily everybody has that. Mm -hmm. I think the underlying that there is a myriad of causes, and of course it's 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 it will be very difficult to pinpoint to say, this is the problem, mm -hmm. right? So because it is such a wide variety of causes and sometimes we may not be able to pinpoint a cause, um, the treatment for it is also unfortunately difficult and it does take a long time, but it is doable. It is doable. So a lot of it will involve psychological counselling and, and a lot of hand-holding and trying to tease out what actually the problem is. But it's also wrong to say it's all in her head, okay? Mm. It's, she's not crazy. It is something that she's... It's not something that she wants and it's not purely fear. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, oh, I'm scared of having sex or, oh, I'm scared of the pain. It's it's not something as simple in that. It's usually quite complex and takes time. Mm. So then how would you diagnose if someone has vaginismus? Because, like you say, it's more common than we think, which means it's very likely underreported, right? So, yep. you know, how, how do you even find out if someone is exp experiencing this? I think when you go to have sex and you have this almost irrational fear of mm -hmm. the sexual act itself, mm -hmm. and actually physically you cannot insert anything into the vagina, that I think would be a red flag. So, so usually, anatomically, physically, there is nothing wrong. And often it is easy enough to demonstrate that to the lady once she comes and see me and she's on my couch. Uh, unfortunately, you know, if you're a man trying to have sex with someone who is like that, then it's almost impossible to, to complete the sexual act, mm. per se. So at what point um, should someone see their healthcare professional, see an OBGYN like you, you know, and how does that compare to when they actually come in from your experience? Okay, so from my experience, almost no one comes in um, because they can't have sex. Mm. All right, almost none. I think probably I've had one couple in the last couple of years that, that who has done that. Most of them will come in for other reasons. Things like, oh, I want to have a baby, but, you know, we've been trying, we can't. But what they don't tell you is that they've been trying not that they've had sex and can't conceive, they can't have sex. Mm -hmm. So they haven't even gotten there yet. So it's usually during the course of the conversation that this comes up. And then it, that leads to further talking and then examination and then you clinch the diagnosis. So actually, you can actually feel the spasms. 
uh, when you examine these ladies. Uh, so and, and it's not like they don't want to have sex. They do. They love their husbands and, and they do want that physical relationship. And this but, is in the case of vaginismus, right? Yes, yes. And they just can't. They can't. So say if someone does experience pain during sex, right? And at what point, you know, is it a cause for concern? Okay, so usually I tell my patients, um, of course, these are usually ladies who've had sex before and they're okay. And then now suddenly they develop pain. So I would say, okay, try a few things. Okay, maybe you can try... um, Different positions, for example, all right? Or you can try with a bladder full, bladder empty, you know. Just try a few things, pillow under the bum. Try a few things to see if there's, if a change in position causes the pain to go away. That's one. Secondly, if you feel that you're not lubricated enough, invest in some lubricant, okay? So lubricant is your friend. So that's another one. Now, if all these fails, then I think come sooner rather than later. Right. Don't wait till uh, two years into your married life and you still haven't consummated your marriage and, and then come in. I think, yeah, it, it, it's tough. And a lot of couples that we see are, are at the brink of the relationship breaking down altogether. Mm-hmm. Okay, there are lots and lots of men out there who I must applaud because they really patiently, steadily stand by their partner. And it's really so nice to see. Of course, it, it does cause a lot of angst, especially in our society where marriage equals having children. Mm, and it's mm-hmm. two years down the line, you haven't even consummated your marriage. Everybody's asking about kids. That causes a lot of stress on the marriage as well. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Mm. It's tough. Without addressing it, how does it also impact the women's own well-being? Because the relationship aspect can be obvious enough to see, right? But how does it impact a woman's self-perception? Oh, I think a lot of women, these women come in, they have low self-esteem, okay? And especially in our society now where, if you, especially if you're watching the Western films, it's it's like, you know, a woman's sexuality, you know, it's, it's all in vogue now, it's all the rage now. But if you are seen as not being able to fulfill your function as a woman, then of course your self-esteem takes takes a blow. That's one. And that can translate into anger management issues. You know, uh, it, it might even manifest in uh, physical illness and, and things like that. As you feel lesser of a woman. And I think there's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of guilt. You know, a lot of tears, definitely. And uh, the, the, the moment that I actually acknowledge that, A, you know, you're having this and this is normal is usually when the tissues have to start coming out. So most of the time, they just feel so relieved that someone knows that, hey, you know, this is a problem. It's not just in my head. So, yeah, and that's the first step to recovery for most of them. So, yeah, self-esteem, guilt, I think, is a big thing. And I think we really need to start talking about it and to say that, hey, you know, we do have solutions for these problems. Mm. So you don't have to suffer alone. Come come out, come forward, and there are people who can help you. Mm. And once you have, once you sort of diagnosed what the problem is, the solutions can range from something more simpler, like what you said, just some lubricant or potentially HRT, or if it's something yeah. more serious, then at least you can ad- start addressing right. the um, underlying condition, right? right? So it's important first and foremost to rule out any organic cause. Mm-hmm. So if there's something that we can fix with medications, with simple uh, things like lubricants and all that, let's fix it, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's something deeper, like psychological vaginismus per se and all that. I think um, it is a combination of psychotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, even like sometimes we we utilize uh, varying sizes of vaginal dilators so that people get used to something being in that region to Mm -hmm. start. 
Okay, we need to start talking about sex in a more positive light. Uh, meaning that I think in a lot of our Asian culture, we still think that sex as, you know, hush-hush, it's taboo to talk about it, it's dirty, you know, it's something that only bad girls do before marriage, things like that. So we, we don't want to promote premarital sex, but, you know, we still need to start talking more about sex, educating our girls so that they know how to protect themselves. So talking about sex in a positive light rather than making it something dirty and something to be ashamed of. I think that would be a great, fantastic first step to getting, number one, more people to come forward when they have a problem. And number two, maybe stopping the problem altogether from the from the roots. Mm. Now, it's very clear that there is still a taboo on the subject. There is still a stigma. If anyone wants to talk about it, like you say, it's always, or even if they are willing to talk about it, it's always in a hush-hush manner, right? It's, mm. it's still a very tough one for people to speak about in public. But have you seen that change at all in the past few years? Or are we still sort of stuck in that same mentality? Okay. Uh, okay, I, I, I think it's very difficult for me to comment because I am very open to my patients. Mm -hmm. And I think that... If you see a healthcare professional that can talk about sex without blushing and without like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm asking you this, you know. Um, then I think it's easier for a person to then open up about their problems, you know. So so I, I don't know. It's, 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 the, it's the, the, the full answer, I guess. Mm. So I guess what would your advice be, Dr. Hu, on how do we normalise these conversations, not just with your healthcare professional, but with spouses with partners right I, do you find that women are willing to talk about or to open up about their sexual health problems with their spouses as well uh yes and in fact actually most of the times when i do have a conversation with my with my patients i encourage their partners on, and their spouses to be there with them okay because sometimes it's really hard for me to speak to her and then she has to then relay that information and it's it's a burden on her actually so I, I i do say that if you're going to go for therapy it's got to be couple therapy okay it's got to be the two of you and it's got to be hand in hand so like in any relationship and in marriage it's always hand in hand it takes mm -hmm. two to tango so and for treatment and for therapy it is the same it does take two to tango i would like to think that we are more progressive now mm -hmm. But, you know, with the opening up of the internet and all that, and unfortunately with pornography being more rampant and swell, it's also negative as well as positive. Mm -hmm. So it may be that we are talking more about sex, but I think we are not talking about sex as part of normal life. And the perception of sex that you can pick up in movies, in pornography and all that, it's not what's normal. Okay, and unfortunately, people attach to that as being normal. So if we talk about sex in a matter-of-fact manner and in an open manner, mm -hmm. then people will then identify that maybe what they are seeing in the movies and stuff, that's wrong. It's not how it should be, mm -hmm. right? So I hope that in my daughter's generation that we'll be able to talk about sex without blushing. <laughs> and I that's do that hope... one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I hope that a young lady like my daughter would come forward with confidence to say that's something wrong. That that I think it's 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 my 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 hope for for disseminating information and being able to talk about it. I mean, mind you, it's taken me years to come to this point where I can say the word sex without blushing, you know, and talk about sexual positions and all that without blushing. Uh, it's taken practice. It, it does take practice. So if I can do it, anyone can do it. Mm. <laughs> and those conversations have to start young, start within families, right? From parents to their children to normalise these conversations. Correct, correct. And it, and it starts young. It starts from telling them to 
talk about their penis and their vagina rather than some pet names, mm-hmm. okay? And it starts from, I mean, when your children ask you, where do babies come from? You don't have to go and launch into anatomy. That's an egg, that's a sperm, you know? You don't. You just, you know, and you don't have to describe sex in like the man's penis goes into the vagina. No. You, you just talk about it matter-of-factly. When, when a man and a woman are in a laboring relationship, they get together and they have a baby. At three or four, they will accept that. At 12 and 13, maybe not. <laughs> so you do have to cater how you talk to your children and, and, and how you talk to, to younger members of your family because it might not be your kids that are asking you um, how things are. Um, the other thing is, of course, if we, can have, we can, if we can formalize sexual education, not to be just scientific and, and matter of fact, because we must remember that our young ones are being bombarded by images and information from the internet and a lot of time, this is not information, it's misinformation. Mm-hmm. So they do have to get correct information from the correct sources. And we'll take it from there. Mm. Mm. And, you know, we want you want parents to step in with the right information, right? Like you say, if you, and if you just keep quiet about it because you're too shy to talk about it, then children, teenagers are going to get all the wrong information and they're going to carry that information into adulthood. And then right. that's where we end up with our topic of discussion today where women are not willing, uh, women think that pain during sex is normal. Correct, correct. Now you brought up how you want, um, you, you always make sure that their male partners are with them um, in, the consulta- <clears throat> in the consultation room with um, their wives, right, during these sessions. Is that a challenge to get them in? You know, do you find that they are always happy to, to, to join in or is there sort of still that barrier where they feel like, oh, Shaila, do you want to come in? Yeah. Actually, I'm happy to report that in the majority of the couples that I see, they come together. Okay, I, I, do, I always find that that's just so wonderful. You know, that means their relationship is important to them. They haven't had, they haven't taken that, that one step further that most people would have had by that time. And yet they're still together and they're holding their hand and, and coming together. I think it's wonderful to see. I, I might see a very w- different subset of patients altogether because there are many, many that where relationships have, have broken down and things like that. Mm-hmm. But no, actually, I find that the partners are relieved to be included in the conversation. Okay, and, and, and I think we should make an effort to include them. Mm. Mm. Do you find that, you know, of course, when it comes to um, sexual health, we can't escape the topic of traditional or alternative medicine, right? Um, do you find women typically attempting other remedies or self-remedies? You know, what, what have you heard from people? Okay, uh, not in terms of uh, uh, painful sex and all that. They, 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 have, they don't try that. Mm. Because I think even then, they'll be too shy to go to the, you know, to the sincere and say, uh, I cannot have sex. Even then, it's still <laughs> even taboo. then it's still taboo, right? Whereas if it's like, oh, okay, my period is not so good, the flow is not so great. Okay, it's easier then to broach that topic. So no, actually, I have not, I must say, encountered people who have gone to other approaches to address this problem. I, mean, I think that's kind of sad, you know. Mm. On the one hand, it's, it's a good thing <laughs> to, to hear that people are not going for alternative medicine. But on the other hand, you know, it yeah. just goes to show you how deep that correct, is. Correct. It's like they can't even open up with this <laughs> to like non-doctors. What to do now? Mm. Yeah. Well, sexual health issues as a whole remains taboo, right? We have seen greater awareness when it comes to talking about male sexual problems, especially when we talk about um, erectile dysfunction, right? Compared to female sexual problems, why, why do you think that's a problem? 
I think, okay, not, not to belittle male sexual problems, but I think for male sexual problems, you can see it. You know what I mean? If you're not having an erection, you can see it. If you're not ejaculating, you can see it. You can't see pain. Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't see other dysfunction. You can't see it, right? So when it's visual, it's easier to get across. But of course, then again, it was really driven by the fact that they had that little blue pill mm -hmm. that works, right? So again, I think chicken and egg, I still see plenty of men who are too shy to come forward to say that they have a problem. And again, often they present because they are trying to have a baby and they can't have sex. So, yeah, I still think it's underreported though, male fertility issues. Mm. So I know that as part of efforts to make these conversations more normalised, the Obstetrical and Gynecological Society of Malaysia will also be running a public health event um, in March covering a whole range of women's health topics, and including women's sexual health. Um, tell me more about this uh, conference that you're having. Oh, Okay, so uh, the OGSM or the Obstetrical and Gynecological Society of Malaysia, we are running a public health awareness conference, we call it. So it's a one-day event. It will be held in conjunction with Endometriosis Month and Women's um, Day mm -hmm. uh, on the 11th of March at Cititel Mid Valley. Um, this is the fourth one in its series. Mm. And what we do is we invite expert panel speakers and then we try to tackle women's health issues. And painful sex is one of them that, that we are highlighting. Endometriosis is the other, as well as a myriad of others. Uh, for more information, you can go to the OGSM website. So you just type in OGSM or Obstetrical and Gynecological Society of Malaysia and then you'll be able to find information on that. We do try to make it worthwhile to the public to come. And I think that you can get a lot of information and, and knowledge. And it's your chance to question the doctors there as well. <laughs> um, okay, we're not only inviting doctors. There are other healthcare professionals who are coming along as well. So I hope to see a lot of you there. Hmm. And a vital part of it is finding that community of people, right, to, to, to hear from and to share your own experiences with. Correct. So we do have a lot of... Um, people who are experts at uh, these sort of things. Like, for example, we have the endometriosis support group coming along and we do have a group of physiotherapists and all that coming along. Um, and there is uh, a group of physiotherapists that are targeted at helping people uh, with pelvic floor issues are going to be there. So it's, it's very exciting. Hmm. <laughs> all right. And to wrap up our conversation today, Dr. Hu, what would be your advice to women out there who are listening about um, experiencing pain during sex? Pain during sex is not normal, okay? So come along and just see your friendly gynecologist or your family doctor if you are having troubles. And if you don't get the answer that supports you, then go look for someone else. There will be someone else out there who can help you. It is a problem, okay? And pain during sex is not normal. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Hu. Thank you for having me. I've been speaking to consultant obstetrician and gynecologist Dr. Hu Mei Lin about how pain during sex for women is not normal. I'm Lim Suen and this has been Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.